Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, filling in for Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Matthew Blake, Senior Real Estate Reporter for Housing Wire and Real Trends, talking about Compass and their path to profitability, the blurred lines of RESPA, the Real Estate Settlement and Procedures Act, and the current status of Rex Real Estate in the lawsuit that they filed against NAR and Zillow. Let's jump in. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, there's there's lots going on in the news right now. Um, and one of the things I want to talk a little bit about is um, Compass. They recently had their earnings call and had a tough Q1. They're kind of burning through cash right now. And they rely on that investment capital to kind of sub- subsidize some of their losses. So why don't right. you talk to me a little bit about some of the other um, things that you learned in their earnings call. They had a couple of position changes as well. So, Yeah, yeah. I think that's the right perspective because I feel like there's a lot about Compass that we already know and that a lot of folks probably listening to this, if they're agents or brokers, probably like have formed some opinions about Compass. So what is new? What is new is that Kristen Ankerbrandt, who has a pretty, you know, impressive financial history, uh, she was named the chief financial officer of Compass back in 2018, and they had sort of had a bit of turnover in that area. But then she stabilized that position and stayed on for four years and was kind of like the face, uh, obviously Robert Refkin is the face of Compass, but sort of like a sort of investor facing face of Compass as the company became publicly traded last year. And so she is now leaving Compass as chief financial officer. Basically, um, it would seem they're number two as Ori Allen, the co-founder of Compass, has sort of faded or, or at least not had a public profile. And so she said during this earnings call that she wanted to start her own company, maybe start her own investment fund, and just kind of gave some general statements about her time at Compass. And so they're getting a new chief operating officer in there. Uh, which is like a previously unfilled position. And then they're also doing a search for CFO. And so they introduced Origin Point, this joint venture with guaranteed rate last year. And, you know, that was a big deal for us at Housing Wire since we focus on mortgage. And 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 there was a thought that Compass, maybe like Berkshire Hathaway Home Services of America, maybe like Realogy, could, you know, become a profitable, low margin business if they were able to get into mortgage or get into title. And, you know, it's only a year. So, I mean, we can say whether it's fair to judge the effort so far or not, but they have not done this. I mean, the the Robert Refkin admitted on the call that less than 1% of the company's revenue right now is from mortgage or title. And so, 
you know, my colleague Brooklyn Hahn has written up a bunch of stories about acquisitions, the compass is made of title companies. And this would seem to, again, signal that maybe like Realogy, they're trying to uh, make this a big part of their business, but it has not been so far for whatever reason. And in terms of what you said about burning cash, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the story, I think I put $430 million that they have left in cash. And so, and then they also have, Refkin mentioned like a revolving credit facility, but they lose in income and net income, um, depending on the quarter, you know, anywhere from about like 20 million to 200 million. And, and so they lost 494 million last year. So it's like, how much longer can they go on? And Refkin's very much stressed, we're going to do less with more. Uh, we're going to build on the fact that we're good at retaining agents that we're growing market share, but it seems like a tenuous future for them. Yeah, it seems to me like they really need to focus on those core services. And and in my interview with Robert, um, he did say that that's a major focus of theirs um, moving forward as, as a path to profitability for them is to really focus on that title and in other core services that that they will um, title and, and mortgage move, you know, roll into into the company. So I'll be interested to see how quickly they're able to do that. Yeah. And it would seem given their financial position that they'd have to do that sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else about Compass that you think is important for the audience to know? Well, I mean, I do think that they have, you know, obviously, as, as you've cover Tracy, they, you know, they're now the number one in market share, um, I think by sales volume in the country, according to, you know, the real trends numbers. And so conceptually, it's kind of this, like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around and maybe it's hard for like listeners to wrap their head around, but it's kind of like two different things, like whether the company is successful in terms of its top line revenue and bottom line income and whether the company is good at gaining market share and good at, you know, surpassing Realogy, surpassing home services. And so on the one hand, like absolutely, like Compass is everywhere right now. Like I am in Chicago right now. I see Compass signs everywhere. I was in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. I saw Compass signs everywhere. They are, you know, an exceedingly prominent brokerage, particularly in urban areas. And so like those sales volume figures are real. And so, but it's then though, not really like an indication because of the fact these agents are independent contractors, because of the fact that agents retain most of the commission, because of the fact Compass as, you know, Compass would be quick to tell you, like has a technology platform that they're providing agents and that technology platform costs money and other services cost money including the fact that they have brick and mortar offices. And so all this stuff costs money and it's like not directly contributing to their top line. I mean, one very imperfect analogy might be like Uber, where like Uber grew tremendously, but it was losing money because it had an independent contractor model and sort of like its market growth wasn't necessarily tied to revenue or, or net income. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting what they do, um, you know, in the future, especially since he made a comment that they they are um, trying to heed their their operating expenses and uh, what they're going to be doing with staffing and, and office space and, and, and things like that. So it'll be interesting where they move to. So Brooke Lee Han, one of our real estate reporters, recently did a great feature on um, RESPA and some of the challenges in interpreting RESPA. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's always a concern with, with the core services or the affiliated services that real estate brokerages have. How are they improving their capture rates, but also staying um, within the law? So why don't you talk to me a little bit about that article and some of the things that uh, Brooklyn learned through some of her interviews? Yeah, I worked with Brooklyn a bit on that story. And so basically RESPA, the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, I thought it was really interesting what Berkeley found, which was basically that it is really hard to know how to, you know, interpret RESPA because RESPA prohibits, you know, kickbacks and uh, basically like, I can't like give you a car or give you a $5,000 check if you, the real estate agent, refer to me, the title insurer, the mortgage lender, like a client. But like you can, as you know, the joint venture we just talked about, you can like split profits in like an aggregate sense between a real estate and a mortgage company, real estate and a title company. You can also like if I'm the head of a title company, I can invite real estate agents to a quote unquote educational activity. And this educational activity can really be an educational activity where I like teach you Uh, about new technology that we have or about like a more efficient way of shepherding clients into title or the educational activity can be going golfing or like a boozy lunch or something like that. So it's very unclear. And I think, I think it would be difficult if you like ran a business to like know, I guess like if you wanted to sort of like bend the rules, it would be difficult to know like how far can I bend the rules before I break them And then if you just are kind of like, I want to run like an honest business, I want to be on the up and up, it's really hard, it would seem to me, because it's like, are my competitors like getting away with stuff that I'm not doing? You know, am I losing my edge here because my competitors are doing these quote unquote educational lunches? And I I just think that I, I don't know like what the solution is here, but I would just imagine that, you know, given what we talked about with Compass, you know, real estate brokerages really depend right now on title and mortgage and maybe some other like ancillary services like mortgage insurance. And so what are you supposed to do? Like, what are you supposed to do to both stay within the law? What are you supposed to do to be both ethical? But what are you supposed to do to like bring in, like you said, the capture rate where like how many, the percentage of people that are using one of your services, but using another. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say that. So um, just this week, I was at a a brokerage for an on-site visit with one of our CEO groups. It's a large, independent, very well-run brokerage. They own their own title company. And we met with the title company leaders um, who were complaining about that very thing, that that some of their competitors are um, bending the rules and they're finding it hard to compete against them, um, and they are not bending the rules, and they're strictly against doing that. But but 
One of the things that they complained about is no one's reporting them. And if they do get reported, nothing really happens. What have you found out from that perspective? Are they actually, um, you know, adhering to the law with (laughs) with the RESPA violations once they're reported? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because basically the level of reporting on the federal level is pretty non-existent in terms of, or I should say the the level of reporting is unclear on the federal level. The level of enforcement is non-existent where the consumer of CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they basically are in charge now of like enforcing RESPA. They took it over from Housing and Urban Development about 10 years ago. They have not issued, uh, they literally not issued a single enforcement action on RESPA in the last five years, which, you know, leads to the impression that it's sort of like, you can do what you want here. Like the adults are away, like play however you want to play. But then like, yeah, um, you can like file complaints at the state level I know the California Department of Real Estate, the Illinois Real Estate Commission, they've like issued a few disciplinary actions. Florida, I'm sure, could do that. It's it's a low it's a low priority enforcement wise. I mean, it's just not something that like states are using their resources to like police and ferret out because like in terms of like educational activities, like picture yourself in the role of like, you know, an investigator for the Florida, I don't know the name of their federal agency there, but you know, there's some, somebody in Florida who's charged deputized to sort of like investigate this. Like, what do they even like, you know, do they like, is it like a detective scene where they're like asking different people at the luncheon? Like, you know, like how many drinks were you served? Like how many slides did you actually see about this software? You know, it's like, because it's such a gray area and because it's seemingly, you know, not a high priority of law enforcement, there's just not much enforcement activity. And and to get back to your original question, Berkeley kind of had this vignette at the start of like this company that was complaining about this other company for bringing agents down to Miami and for like a educational trip. And basically the complaining federal title, the complaining company like did not file like a report against smart settlements, the company that was being complained about because, you know, I guess they just thought it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, it's kind of like the referral I I know here in Florida, and I'm I'm not sure if it's every state, um, you can't give a referral fee to an unlicensed person. And then if you do, you have to disclose it. I mean, my neighbor was a, at the time was a real estate agent and I introduced her to someone who was interested in buying, you know, a, a home and she came over and gave me a gift card and who's enforcing that? I mean, that was years ago, but it's kind of the same concept. Like, is someone going to come to me and, and in, interrogate me on getting a gift card from a realtor <laughs> who I referred business to? So it'll be it'll be interesting what happens. I know the CFPB has has gone through a couple of different iterations and also has had some some changes. So you know, depending on the administration, we're not really sure what's going to happen with with it as far as enforcement goes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've done a lot of coverage here, Housing Wire, Real Trends, about like you know, new Biden administration, new like CFPP, but like so far, I mean, specifically in terms of RESPA, it's been like 
the the Trump administration in terms of no enforcement action. But yeah, that could change. Yeah. Um, now, recently, you wrote about the real estate firm um, discount brokerage Rex uh, closing mm-hmm. their doors. Now, Rex is known for their litigation more than their real estate business. And um, you broke the story mm-hmm. on them actually closing. It's It's gone crazy on our site. So why don't, have you learned anything new about, um, about that? I know they're continuing with some of their litigation. They hired a pretty high yeah. profile attorney. Um, you are doing some more investigative work into what's going on there. Have you learned anything new since the story broke? Yeah. I had a brief exchange with Lindley Sides, who is their chief operating officer. And she said that Rex is not technically shut down, but then each person I've talked there at the company, you know, said that, you know, by like last Friday that they had been asked to like, um, move over their license if they're a real estate agent and, and like their email, their, um, you know, their offices have been shut down, but like more than that, like, you know, their work email no longer works, that kind of thing. And so, whether they've like literally shut down as a company, I mean, Lindley Sides, you know, told me, no, we haven't. So I, I think, um, I don't mean to suggest that they've completely shut down, but it's, it's, I don't know what's next for them. They have shut down. I spoke to someone there who was, they had like title going back to ancillary services. They had a title department, they had a mortgage department. Those have been shut down. So it's very unclear to me kind of like what's next to them. Yeah. I mean, to back up for a second, if you're not familiar with it, like they're a company that was started by Jack Ryan, who does not have a background in real estate, but was an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, had a brief political candidacy for Senator of Illinois, ran a media company in Chicagoland area. I think he started Rex in 2015 with sides and they pay their agents in salaries and they try to provide like a discount or a rebate to uh, consumers. And basically, yeah, they're more famous for their litigation. I think, you know, that's probably not something they would want to hear, but I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I've written about them because of their litigation. They were effective in sort of getting the Justice Department to look at the National Association of Realtors anew. And they have this lawsuit against Zillow and the National Association of Realtors. And so like, to relate back to what I was saying before, like, I guess they're not totally shut down. They wound down one lawsuit that they had against the state of Oregon this week, but then another lawsuit that they have against Zillow and the National Association of Realtors, that's still going on. And they hired David Bowes, um, who a name I surely mispronounced, but, but I always confuse, obviously, with David Bowie, the late uh, rock musician, but David Bowes is a legendary trial attorney. He represented the U.S. Justice Department in an antitrust case against Microsoft back in the 90s, so he is no stranger to massive antitrust cases. He's more recently in the news for, you know, representing Jeffrey Epstein accusers. I think I have not watched this myself, but if you've watched The Dropout, where Amanda Seyfried plays um, Elizabeth Holmes, he, you know, a character based on him appears, I guess, prominently in that show. And so like, I don't know what exactly the end game is here, but 
he's he's representing Rex, and so I, I I can only assume this means that Rex is very serious about this lawsuit and is very serious about sort of taking on what they regard to be like an antitrust conspiracy between NAR and um, the biggest you know brokerages in the country, and, and in this particular case, Zillow. Yeah, and I'm I am curious what their end game is with that. You know, what do they envision? without mandatory cooperation and compensation and, and um, you know, transparency for, for the buyer side commission, what are they envisioning they expect the industry to move to? Um, do you have any hints about that? Because they also have to prove that consumers mm-hmm. were harmed, I believe, in this. And so I'm curious what that might be and what they envision moving forward. What is the ideal um, situation for, for real estate? Yeah. So let me take the last part of that first. I'm not sure you might be right. I'm not sure whether they have to prove consumers might be harmed. That's always like a question in an antitrust case. Like some judges believe that you can't sue the NAR unless you show a direct link between NAR policies and consumer harm. But other judges have ruled recently that in fact, you just need to show that like businesses and potential competitors were harmed. And so it's unclear to me in this particular case, whether Rex can just show we were harmed and other brokerages that don't participate in multiple listing services were harmed, or if they have to show consumers were harmed, that's to be determined in terms of like, yeah, what Rex envisions, like, like, what do they want? Like if the justice department and NAR like woke up tomorrow and was like, gosh, Rex, you're right. You're right about all of this. Like what, what would that world look like? I don't, I mean, that's a really good question. And I think that like what they would say is that you could more freely compete if you weren't belonging to national association of realtors and that there would be more of a consumer facing like intermingling of, real estate listings between MLS aggregated listings, which is like the Zillow, most of the Zillow listings. And then like these listings on the Zillow website that say like, quote unquote, other agent that are listings that are not from MLS feeds, which is like the crux of this lawsuit. So I think that like their argument would be you can work as a real estate agent um, or you can work as a real estate brokerage in a more like empowered way without being part of NAR. And so then that gets into like, like what is the reality here? Because like NAR, you know, has told me when I, when I spoke with them two weeks ago, like, well, you can, like you can be a brokerage without joining NAR. You can be a real estate agent without joining NAR. And then like Rex would argue and, and some observers would argue like, no, you can't be like, you just realistically cannot be. And so what they would want is sort of just like, yeah, more room for people who have a different business model to operate. And what I mean by different business model, I guess, is just like a business model that doesn't conform with NAR policies or a business model where maybe like you don't come into the real estate transaction with the expectation that like the sales commission will be like split between the the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, where this goes from here. So uh, we'll be definitely following it closely. 
and I know you'll be reporting on it on it some more um, coming up. So, um, well, Matt, thanks so much for joining um, Housing Wire Daily today. We really appreciate you um, offering all of that insight on some of the current news in the industry right now. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tracy. It was fun. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.